Well, it has been more than 30 years since we have seen a full-scale strike by the Public Service Alliance of Canada, but this morning, 155,000 workers are on that picket line. So there are federal services that could be delayed if you need them, uh, particularly getting your tax return or maybe getting a passport. There are essential service levels that are in effect here, but you can imagine everything is going to be a lot slower. We know it's about wages and working conditions, but what historically has driven public service workers to strike and how has that all worked out? Well, joining us now to talk about this is Dr. David Campfield, who's an associate professor and coordinator of labor studies at the University of Manitoba. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Where would you rate this strike historically? Is it is it a big one for Canadians? I mean, it is significant because of the sheer number of workers involved. You know, a, a single strike that involves over 100,000 people does not happen very often. Um, the last time there was a federal government worker strike like this was 2004, and there previously was one in 1991. And then the so-called clerks group um, was out in 1980. So that's some of the precedents, the background. And so the last one I know that was a really big one was back in 1991. What happened there? Um, well, the 1991 strike lasted for several weeks and then was ended by back-to-work legislation um, I think in October of 1991, if I remember correctly. Um, and then, you know, that, that was a strike that was marked by, you know, some significant tensions between um, workers and, uh, and the government at the time. 2004 was a little more muted. Uh, the context for this one is, is quite different, I think, than 2004. We have, you know, high levels of inflation, and the job market is relatively better for workers than it was in 2004. Right. So you're saying this is a different set of circumstances. Absolutely. Okay. So then the approach that the government is taking here, they're saying that, no, no, we can't give you more than, you know, 9%. And does it surprise you? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think that uh, the government's position is, is pretty predictable. I mean, they did recently give the military uh, 10.5% over four years. So I expect they will probably move at the bargaining table a little bit. Right. Is this a reflection, though, do you think, like how the government responds to this, then, Dr. Camfield? Is that a reflection, do you think, of, of they also have to deal with the political aspects of this, too, right? Oh, absolutely. There's a political aspect, uh, both because the settlement that is achieved will be you know, widely observed by other public sector and, and private sector workers. So uh, it can affect the expectations of, of workers across the board. And the government is trying to you know, lower workers' expectations in terms of wage increases despite the rising cost of living. So that's a factor that's playing into it. And, but they also have to think politically about the next election. Do they want to really anger federal government workers and drive more of them to vote for other parties? I mean, these are all the different things that must be on the minds of the Liberals at the moment. I also wonder as well, like this is a bit unique, isn't it, though, because of that situation involving the work from home. This That seems to be a real sticking point for this particular labor dispute. It's distinctive for sure. And this is something that I guess a lot of people can, can relate to in one way or another. During the worst part of the pandemic, many, many federal government workers were working from home. And then uh, more recently, there was a unilateral everybody back to the office at least two days a week uh, you know, rule that was, was brought in, which I think has caused a lot of frustration among government workers. And so right now, there's nothing in the contract, nothing in the collective agreement about remote work. And the union's trying to negotiate some basic provisions uh, that would address this. And you know, to the extent that they're successful, that will also be widely seen um, by, by other groups of people. So, um, and it, But that's not about money so much as it's more about power and uh, the you know, government not wanting to uh, give up control on, on unilaterally making decisions about that. Right. I know. I was reading about the 1991 strike, and that was about saving money at the time for the government, wasn't it? 
Uh, well, that was in the yeah the context of uh, you know the turn to neoliberal policies and uh, and austerity at the federal government. So uh, the government was really preoccupied with that at the time, and uh, you know there wasn't an issue like this. But also, you know, the context was very different in terms of the state of the job market and um, where things were at. There wasn't this widespread inflation that so many people have been experiencing. So would you say then this one is a bit different in terms of that power balance? In this case, the government is saying we can't give up those those bits of power? Yeah, I think I think in general that the union is in a more favorable position than they were at that point. And then this particular issue about remote work, you know, it's, it's harder to, um, you know, to compromise on that for the government perhaps than it would be on the monetary side of things. I mean, they feel pressures there too, but, uh, you know, this is new ground in terms of getting this remote work language into the collective agreement. How long do these things usually go before both sides start to feel the strain? Well, in this case, because the unit hasn't been on strike since 2004, I think their strike funds are probably in quite a good position. Um, and I wouldn't want to compare it to those previous strikes, because I, I do think that the, the factors are different that would affect the, you know, how long the government will let it go before they move towards back-to-work legislation or, or how long the union feels that they will hang on. I don't think this is likely to be a long strike, though. You know, Dr. Campfield, one thing that I've certainly noticed in all the years that I have been doing this and, and covering these kinds of labor disputes, does any, does any side really ever win in a situation like this? Well, sometimes one side will decisively win a strike or decisively lose it. That's certainly the case. Um, you know, lots of strikes come in somewhere, you know, much less clear. Uh, but it is possible for, you know, a strike to end in a, in a significant you know, win or, or significant loss. And so... You know, we just have to wait and see what actually gets negotiated. And we don't know what's going on behind closed doors at the bargaining table at the moment. We do not. All right. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you.